For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's another week and another episode of Forever 39. For those of you that have been listening, we're going to skip our normal intro. Yay! Yay! And get right into our topics for this podcast. We'll tell you at the end how you can connect with us and hear past podcasts. Okay, so for our first topic, we're going to talk about how you can survive your partner's midlife crisis. So according to an infographic created by accountingdegree.org, 43 is the average age when men experience a midlife crisis. For women, (laughs) it's 44. A man's midlife crisis can last anywhere from 3 to 10 years, which is amazing to me, Uh while a woman's is a bit shorter at 2 to 5 years. So men often experience a midlife crisis because of the following reasons. Fear of death, fear of getting older, fear of not fulfilling dreams, fear of loss of attraction, fear of getting sick. For women, the most common reasons are a whole lot different, and they include they question whether they have lived up to their potential, lifestyle changes enabling more opportunities, experiencing an empty nest, menopause, and biological and psychological changes. So taking all of this into consideration, it's probably no surprise that some of the most common expenses of a midlife crisis include plastic surgery, divorce, and a new car. And we've all heard the stories about a man who trades his wife in for someone 20 years younger, so there's no doubt that going through a midlife crisis can be serious stuff. Joining us today about how you can get through one is Dr. Marty Tashman. He's a licensed marriage and family counselor in New Jersey. Welcome, Marty. Ah, it's nice to be here, and thank you for asking me. Absolutely. We love having you. We really do. <laughs> okay. So, Dr. Tashman, first let's talk about the signs of a midlife crisis. What are some of the signs that you or someone you know might be experiencing a midlife crisis? Sure. And I'll talk from experience in terms of different clients with whom I've worked with and what I've seen is, for example, they're feeling trapped in their life. They take a look at, they have a sense of where they should be at a certain age. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but say when you graduated from school and then you had an expectation in five years I'd be here or 10 years I'd be there, you take a look at where you are in your life, whether it's uh, socially or emotionally or professionally, and you have a sense of disappointment. When you are aware of that, that's when you start to wonder, you know, is my, what direction is my life going? I feel like I'm in a crisis. That being said is you feel kind of trapped in the life that you found yourself living in. You start to try and change your habits. Maybe some people might have some career dissatisfaction. I'm 35 or 45 or 50 or whatever, and I always thought that I would be doing this, not the other thing. And then to make up for it, sometimes people do excessive buying just to try and make, you know, that traditional red sports car thing. Some people make that decision. And then in addition to that, they look at themselves, oh, I'm not in the shape I want to be in, or I feel really depressed, or in some ways I may, may want to take a look at my religion. 
those are things that I've seen in my practice and working with folks that they struggle with. Oh, yeah, there is one other one, too, is they look in the mirror and they go, who is that person who's looking back at me? Those are the kind of things that trigger off uh, a midlife crisis or crisis in wherever you find yourself in the stage of life. I have a question for you. Since the sports car that you mentioned is such the stereotype for yep. someone going through a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. what does that represent? What, what is that? And why does it seem to be, that's what everyone notices, the young pretty girlfriend or the red sports car? What is that red sports car all about? Yeah, that's, that's interesting piece. You never hear, I'm going to buy a silver sports car. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, look at me. Look how young I am. Look how much I've succeeded. A sports car is sort of associated with uh, a luxury, free spirit kind of thing. Red is a bright, happy kind of color. And so it's like, pay attention to me because I'm not 35 or 45. I'm really only 23. <laughs> and, and especially sports car, and you may have noticed that most sports cars, many sports cars have convertible tops. And folks ride with the convertible tops down. Mm-hmm. Maybe to get the wind and the sun, but it's also people can look in and see them. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, it drives me nuts when I see that. Like, I don't know why, but that, that irritates me. And I just find it's such, it's so expected that I can't believe people still do that. Well, you know, a part of it is, is I know I'm getting mature when I think about putting the top down and it gets cold. <laughs> Yeah, I would think so. (laughs) Yeah, you know, those of us that are a little bit more practically oriented, but some people need that and they have that spurt of excitement. I don't want to put people down for having those feelings, but to recognize to not go overboard, not to trade in your last relationship or your Mm -hmm. marriage, which is the thing I focus so much on in terms of relationships and marriages, not to trade in your car, not to trade in your life. But if you find yourself having to make different changes, and we can talk about that in a few minutes, is to do it in a way that's planned and not impulsive. So if your spouse is experiencing a midlife crisis, how do you deal with that? Because it is something that happens to a lot of people. It's perfectly normal for people to experience one, but how can you be supportive to your spouse while also trying to make sure your needs are met, which is really difficult, I would imagine, in regards to dealing with with someone who's going through a midlife crisis? It's a very fair and a very important question because you want to help your spouse through it, and yet on the other side, you don't want to feel like you're being taken advantage of or emotionally abused. You want to find some balance so that you can get through, you know, the the, the vows, say, in sickness and health and implied crises as well. So here's a starting point is think back to a time in your life when you had a sense of crisis whether it was the decision to get married or a job or you realize you were no longer in high school or college or wherever, think back to your own personal crisis because of a certain timing. And my point being is, is develop some empathy about how difficult it is and that sometimes our anxiety and our depression take us over for all of us. So a good place to start with your spouse is to be empathetic. Now, once you've done that and rebuilt that, think about what you did to get through that crisis. What helped you? What didn't help you? You know, those are two things to look. So you use yourself as a reference point. The other thing is, is 
in a relationship which is, to me, I think the world revolves around good relationships and is terrible when you have bad relationships, is realize that in a relationship, love's a choice and it's a behavior. And so when your partner is having a hard time, realize what choices you have to make in terms of being patient without take, with setting boundaries. That balance of saying, look, I know she, he, and I think we tend, would you agree, do you think men or women tend to go through this midlife crisis just in general, in terms of gen? I feel like men, men go through yeah. it more. And that could just be a perception that we have, but I, I do feel like men go through a midlife crisis more than women do. I completely agree. But I also wonder, Dr. Tashin, maybe you can speak to this. Women are more communicative in general, I think. So Mm -hmm. if you're going through a difficult time, maybe you'll seek counseling, maybe you'll seek the advice of a friend, maybe you'll kind of work through it differently than perhaps a man would. Women are usually uh, allowed, are stronger, and they allow themselves to become more vulnerable. And they also pick out, they're more in touch with their feelings as a rule, but not every woman and every man. But, and the popular conception is, is that men go through it exactly what both of you said. But I would ask you to remember about postpartum depression. Is that a kind of midlife crisis or life crisis? Or when you have empty nest, which sure. will oftentimes affect the women, and it's not as dramatic. They don't buy a sports car, but they may... The eating patterns may change, or they may withdraw, or there may be some depression. But the popular conception is that men go through it. I think the degree that women go through it, they go through it in their own special ways. I think, too, men, it's almost more demonstrative. Like, you have that perception of the sports car, the younger girlfriend, whereas maybe women, it's it's more hidden in terms of them going through it and their behaviors. Yep, that's a good point. I 100% agree. And the thing that's more apparent, we believe, is more present. And so, yeah, but on both sides, the word crisis sits whether it's a male or a female. Crisis really is a state of being out of balance. There's too much going on for us to use our usual coping mechanisms, which goes back to your question, which is a terrific one. How can we help our partner? Is it okay if I go back to that? Absolutely. So if we go back to it's too much, so a place to go is to start to focus on what are the areas that the midlife crisis is happening around. How much is it that our relationship feels like it's flat or my career feels like it's not going anywhere or physically I feel like I am not the person I used to be. So to start off with sitting down with your spouse during a time that you're not going to be interrupted, that you don't have to spend three hours in, but you can have a half hour, 45 minute discussion about What's going on that, that's missing, that puts them in a state of crisis? And oftentimes it's, it's physical, it's emotional, it's relational, or it's career. And once you start to identify what the areas are, then the two of you together can begin to develop a strategy. Does that make sense? to Absolutely. Yeah, I do have a question, though, about the younger girlfriend. So you get the sports car, you get the younger girlfriend, mm-hmm. but you turn around and you're still 46. So where have you gotten? That's I'm confused at what that, like the girlfriend, for example, maybe throwing away a long marriage, what that achieves for you. When you're in, the psychological explanation is when you're in crisis, you want to run from wherever you are to imagine safety. The, your reality testing isn't that great. One of the things that I hear sometimes when people make decisions to be with folks that are a lot younger than they are 
and they say things like, I remember this particular song, and their partner looks at them and said, who is that group? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they want to go to a concert, a concert of those old women or men, and, you know, (laughs) 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 to to your point, though, um, it's not about a great strategy. A much better strategy is beginning to identify the areas that are triggering off the crisis and then developing a game plan. Both of you could do that easily if you were to encounter that in your spouse. For example, if your spouse said to you, you know, I feel like I'm getting older and I've gained weight, etc., and I don't have as much energy, what would you tell your spouse? Start really? working out. Say to them. <laughs> exactly. Or how about I'll work out with you, okay, and we'll make it a wee activity, right. and we'll both work because I'd like to look better. I'm sure both of you are svelte, but for those of us that are not, we are... I'm not, so... <laughs> I fight every day to try to stay. Yeah, I have a civil war with my own weight. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I watch that. Is that the truth? I'm going to borrow that terminology. <laughs> but so it, it really is possible, though, to go through a midlife crisis together as long as you're both willing to, I'm assuming. Yeah, and to your part about the younger woman, want to take a step back. It's like it goes to another area I'm very familiar with. I deal a lot with people who are having affairs. Mm-hmm. People have affairs when there's opportunity and dissatisfaction. So the reason I mention that is people are in crisis when there's a high level of personal dissatisfaction. When you're unhappy with where your life is, you're more in crisis. When you find the proverbial younger woman in the example that you've been talking about, there's a piece that may be missing in your relationship. And sometimes we figure that replacement is a better solution than dealing with the issue. And unfortunately, what you implied is exactly correct. You don't solve your problem. You just bring a whole other load of new ones. Right. Absolutely. So let's say you are going to try to get through this together, but then your husband drains the bank account so he can purchase a new sports car. How do you Mm -hmm. deal with that? Obviously, there needs to be some sort of boundary set here in regards Mm -hmm. to, you know, look, you got to do what you got to do and go through your midlife crisis, but you can't drain us financially. You can't take me down in the process. Sure. The example is great, and there's many applications to it. What about people who are, and, and I deal with this as well, which made me think of it, what about a problem gambler? who drains the account as well. It has to do with fiscal financial responsibility. It has to do with the lack of um, financial compatibility. How are your finances ordinarily handled? And one of the things that you can do in terms of negotiation uh, with your partner is saying, I can see you'd like to get a sports car, and not to put them down for wanting it, but how do we figure out a way to do that so that we still have money for, for our retirement or for, to send our kids off to Rutgers or wherever? Let's figure out how you can get the sports car, but let's also do it in a way that we can take care of when we want to retire together. So it's about, like you said, developing boundaries, but also finding a way to acknowledge, look, we both work hard in terms of a two-paycheck family. We both work hard, or one person, work, I work at home, et cetera. Let's find a way that you can get what you want, but also that we don't regret the expense later on. So it's a matter of boundaries and planning. Yeah, sounds like having a good game plan can stop a lot of trouble and heartache. Yeah, it doesn't mean that everything has to blow up because of it. It means it's like any other emotional challenge. 
Uh, you have to take a step back, figure out what your plan is, work the plan, and modify it as it seems appropriate. It's just interesting to me when Annette read the intro about the length of time a midlife crisis can last. I never think of it as years long. I always thought of it as shorter, but it's interesting that it can last that long. Sure, because we're dissatisfied with a certain group or, or, or chunk of our life. You know, and every dec- I would argue that every decade we go through that decade's crisis. I don't know if, if either of you ever gone through a crisis when you turned 20 or 30 or whatever age. I did. <laughs> well, there you go. I hear you. I see your hand being raised for the, you know, for the answer. <laughs> right? And the conversation you had with yourself without getting too personal was saying what? Well, you know what? Um, what it ultimately became was I'm never going to be this young again, so I might as well enjoy it because next thing I know, I'm going to be 25, now I'm going to be 26. And now I'm 42, and I wish I would have held on to 26 a little tighter, or, you know, and appreciated where I was at the time. You bring up built into that is uh, are the roots of a solution is what's good about being 45? You know, what are the advantages of being 60? What are the advantages of being 50 in addition to what are the disadvantages? For example, the advantage of being older is you have more experience. The advantage of being older is if you learn from the experience, not everything has to be a crisis, or that you have more social supports. Rather than thinking about what you've lost, think about what those years have brought you. Yeah, I definitely feel like I have more peace as the years go by. Everything's not a crisis. That's so true. I think that's the problem, right? We always want to look at the negative first as opposed to the positive, and then we get stuck in that place of negativity. So, Dr. Tashman, in your practice, what has been your experience with dealing with couples that have gone through midlife crises together? Can they survive? Can the relationship come out the other end and still be okay? Excellent. Yes. Here's the answer is relationships get stronger when you go through tough times together and come out the other end successfully. Because what's that phrase that we hear all the time? I'm hoping that my partner has my back. I know that when things are difficult, I can count on them. And through every life, there are a whole bunch of crises. And so the chances, it depends on how well you go through the crises together and how patient you are with each other and how non-judgmental you are. So it's an opportunity as compared to a problem if you use it that way. Absolutely. And that's the, the one nice thing is that you can be better than you were before individually for having gone through it and also collectively as a couple. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because there's, you know, it's not all like, you know, roses and candles and, and, and romance. Yeah. The, going back to the idea that, uh, that love is a, a choice and a behavior is you make the choice that you wake up in the morning and you're going to figure out a way to love your partner. And then you behave um, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event. I married you or I took you on vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took you on vacation. That's funny. There's just and so I'm sure much. a lot of people think that's enough. That's that. There's just so... We could have you on every single week because we there's could. so many things that we could talk to you about. You wow. are a wealth of knowledge and, and, and a wealth of experience for so many people out there who are struggling in relationships and trying to figure out how to make it work and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. So thank you so much for being part of Forever 39 again. And we will definitely have you back. Thank you so much for asking me. I always enjoy these phone calls and a chance to, to talk about stuff with people who ask great questions. Oh, good. Uh, Dr. Tashman, thanks again. Bye-bye. Annette, fashionbeans.com has a really good piece about hitting the milestone of turning 40. Which we've already done. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. 
And I don't know about you, but as, you know, some of our friends embraced it. I slowly walked towards <laughs> it. But there, let's take a look at Fashion Bean's lists and see how 40 can be pretty freeing instead yeah. of overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of great things about being in your 40s. Okay. Turning 40, for those of you that are about ready to do it, there's a lot of great stuff to look forward to from someone who's 42. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Graham, let me know how it is to be yeah. 42. Megan's not so sure yet, but she's <laughs> only 41. That's not true at all, but I'll take it. Oh, that's right. No, <laughs> that's right. She turned 42 in May. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. She is now 42 as well. Oh, I'm, I'm older. Thank so. you for announcing it. I appreciate that. <laughs> Are you ready for the list, ready. Annette? Okay. Um, you don't have to defend yourself or explain your choices, which I think has to be my very favorite thing of growing up. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I think so, too. That's one of them. That's definitely one of them. You stop caring what others think and carry yourself in confidence of your decisions and instincts. Still working on that, but Me I agree too. that I try less now to care about what others think. I'm getting better. Yeah. I'm going through a situation now and every day it's getting better for me. Okay, good. See? Yeah, that's because a good thing. it's ridiculous for me to even be bothered by it. Okay. Number three on my list. So you can set your own fashion rules that make you feel confident. I think within reason on that one, mm -hmm. because there are some people that I think still dress as if they're 20. Mm -hmm. And I don't really particularly think that looks right when you're a certain age. I think one, it can look aging. Yes. It can sometimes make you look heavier than you are. Mm -hmm. I think there's a way to make yourself look fashionable, cute, and even younger by dressing appropriately for being 40. And you can still be really sexy, too. Oh, for sure. But I do think there's a certain age where certain styles just need to not happen. Well, I think I told you before, this is a piece of advice my mom gave me, and I've carried it through life. And I've said it on the podcast before where she said, I was looking for a dress for a dance in high school. And she said, we can go about this two ways. I know you want to look cute. And I had a boyfriend at the time. I know you have all that. But you can do this one of two ways. You can dress and look like a complete slut. Or you can dress and look really pretty. Right. Like they're, and you know, in, in that way. I'll take way, the latter. Yes. So it was a really, that's kind of a crude way to put it. I'm sure she was a little more gentle. But it's true. Mm -hmm. It really it is. is. Don't rely on your smartphone too much. If you want to get into a political debate with Kathy, perhaps you want to do it face to face, yeah. not on your smartphone. Agreed. As your wall. Yeah. Agreed. Five. If you like sex, don't hesitate to be proud of that. You can announce it. Although I think a lot of people do that way younger than 40. I would think so. Yeah. Especially these days. Listen to your body. Working through the pain isn't always the best choice. And I think when you're younger, you kind of think... Well, maybe if I just work a little harder, the pain will go away. I would agree. Maybe you should go yeah. to the doctor if you're experiencing regular pain. Yeah. And I mean, also, like if you if you really like cheese, I love cheese. Who doesn't mm -hmm. love cheese? But if you know that that's a problem for you, mm -hmm. it's probably time to stop eating it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So speaking of eating, uh, so when you turn 40, you kind of need to stop eating like a teenager. Yeah, because, you know, sucks. eating a hamburger every day is probably not going to do wonders for you. And it's not just about like your weight, but also your health. You know, what's you know, so it's funny just about how you look. My baby sister is turning 40, not imminently, but soon enough. And she said to me last week, and we were talking and she said, you know, I started eating an apple a day. I'm like, <laughs> now this she would live on chicken fingers and French fries. I mean, this girl, her she eats five things on the planet. She eats like she's a teenager. And she said, I, you know, I, I'm finding I need energy and I'm hoping the apple helps. <laughs> the apple's a good step. And, and I said, step. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Crawl, walk, run. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, stop putting off your someday. So if you want to go on that dream trip to Africa, do it. Don't keep delaying. Yes. Want to write a novel? We'll get to it, ladies. Yes. Because <laughs> you ain't getting any younger. Did I tell you I wrote a children's book? No, no yeah. way. Did you publish it? No, I, I don't you know should. how to go about that. But yeah, I should let you read it. Oh, you got to Google just how to yeah, publish it. Yeah, it's a whole, yeah, oh, that's I try, awesome. uh, it's a whole thing. But yeah, I That's did. very cool. Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, so giving up on relationships that just aren't working. We've talked about this before on the podcast. But if you're holding on to relationships that are no longer working for you, for whatever reason, it's probably time to let that go. I have to tell you that I've been doing that myself lately and it's really freeing and I've come to understand that I am grateful for all my relationships, but some are just not meant to carry me into my 40s and 50s. There was a place for them maybe in my 20s and 30s, but they're just different now. They don't really fit my lifestyle, whatever. Yeah, I struggle with that a lot, but I, I you're too. right. But it's it's hard for me to let go. But yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about that. But I just feel like I'm I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. So agree. And it's time to say sayonara to obligation. For me, I think that's almost the bottom line about being in your 40s. You're no longer doing the things you don't want to do, and that's hard because there are still things. That you have to do. Like you can't miss your cousin's wedding because you just don't feel like going because, you know, your your aunt's never going to forgive you. Your family's never going to forgive you. So some things you need to just get on with. And once you're there. You're happy you're there. Yeah, it is true. Right. Uh, So, you know, but you really want to look at doing what's right for you and your family. And that's the end of it. So before we move on to our last topic, just a reminder that you can connect with us via email at forever39 at nj1015.com, on Twitter at forever39nj, and on Facebook at New Jersey 101.5. Okay, so Megan, I don't know about you, but I have always fantasized about opening up my own business. (laughs) And what type of business, ma'am? Well, see, my problem is that I want to open up about 10 different types of businesses, not just one. So I'm not interested in starting a business that explodes into like a billion dollar venture, although the money would be nice. Yeah, they say sometimes (laughs) if you do what you love. Yeah, you know, but my business ideas are more sort of mom and pop local based things. So I've got three. Okay. That I I, I narrowed it down to three. I also (laughs) picked three. All right, perfect. So the first one, I love jewelry. We've talked about this before. (laughs) I have an obsession with it. No one loves it more. Nobody loves it more. All of my jewelry is crap. I will tell you that right now. Like, I don't have any real pieces, but I absolutely love everything that I have. Who needs real pieces? Who needs real pieces? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of fun custom jewelry. Love, Mm -hmm. love, 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 love. Like, if there's a fire in my house... The decision making is going to be like, do I save Hugh Jackman memorabilia or do I save jewelry um, or do I like get the family photos? And I got to tell you, I'm not so <laughs> sure I know the answer to that. Oh, <laughs> that, that's my. pathetic. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so I would want to do like a jewelry swap, sort of like in consignment shop. Same thing. You come in, you can either present pieces to me. That is brilliant. Right. And brilliant. I could say to you, OK, I'm going to take this. Not that you can put it on consignment or you can say I want to take this piece in exchange for this piece whatever I love it but it would all be accessories and I don't want to like explode it into more than that it would literally just be a jewelry swap and so you know you have that pair of earrings that you just don't wear any longer or for me for example I can't really do really big earrings but there was a time when I really wanted to so I bought a bunch and then I'm like what am I doing with these so, you know, you could come in and like, hey, you know, I can't wear these any longer, but now my style is more like a little stud. Great. So typically, 
I clean out my jewelry closet a couple times a year. My jewelry closet. Yes. Did everyone pick up on that? It is a closet. We've talked about this yes, before. Yes, I know. And so uh, Ingrid reaps the benefits of this because she gets all of the jewelry that I no longer use. Ingrid the BFF. Ingrid the BFF. And it's in my will as well. Oh, all the jewelry goes to her. So sometimes I'll say to her as I'm cleaning out my closet, I'm like, I envy you so because you get to have all this when I die. God, you are funny. So, but that would be my idea, like a jewelry swap. Okay, the next business is not a new idea, and really, the jewelry swap isn't either because it's like consignment. Mine are so lame compared to your first idea. Go ahead. All right. Well, that's okay. That's okay. You can be lame about it. It's no big deal. So my second (laughs) one, and there are stores that already exist like this. The first time I ever um, found out about it was when I was on a trip to Toronto. So I went to this store. and It was like a crafty type store where you'd go and buy like local artisan goods. And what it is, is basically... The local artisans rent the space in the store. That doesn't mean that they're physically there, but their goods are there. Mm -hmm. And so when they sell a piece, a cut goes to the store and then they get a cut. Mm -hmm. But what you get is for somebody like me who really loves local artisans, like I totally dig that stuff. You get a lot of different merchandise a lot of different styles like maybe this person likes to do bead jewelry this person likes to do metal jewelry whatever sculptures pottery maybe you knit whatever so you get like a really nice collective example of what toronto has to offer oh so cool there is one in new hope that uh, i think it's called the red tulip gallery and they do the same thing but they also ask the artisans to take shifts and work the store so they'll sometimes you'll go in and the person who made the piece that you're looking at is actually also the person running the register brilliant so i think that's a great idea Mm -hmm. my last business and this one is something i came up with recently because doing the animal shelter work Sometimes you do get people who surrender animals because they just didn't know what they were getting themselves into. So, for example, there are certain breeds that you really shouldn't get if you aren't like a high energetic person and you're not very active. German Shepherd, probably not the best breed for you. (laughs) So I would want to start a business where it's like, I'll pick the breed for you. Now, I love all animals. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like a designer breed. And you can do you can do a mutt, but at least you need to know what that mutt's mixed with so that you know you're pairing it with the appropriate lifestyle of that person, Mm -hmm. of that family. And I think this would alleviate a lot of issues of people surrendering animals because, oh, I didn't realize that like getting a great Pyrenees means that that dog's probably going to bark a lot because that's what they do. So you know, knowing what you're getting is half the battle sometimes, and then you'll you'll alleviate some of these dogs winding up in shelters when they shouldn't be because you just didn't quite frankly educate yourself which is a problem a lot of people don't educate themselves oh my gosh that dog in the window is so cute and that's what a lot of people go ahead and do yeah so those are my three all right go okay first well you know i love to bake you know i love it love it love it so i would open a cookie shop Nice. My niece always jokes that that's what we're going to do. But we realize that we just like cooking for the people we love. And we don't know if we want to. You can cook for me every single day. Yeah. And big. And I I would gladly. Um, (laughs) Next would be a design shop. A lot of people like the way I decorate things and put things together. Megan's amazing. But I do it cheaply, as you know, Annette. Home goods is your best friend. It is. (laughs) And I try to do things so it looks really nice, but you don't spend a fortune. So for a while, I actually thought about that. Like, should I switch careers and become an interior designer? And then I thought, again, I'm so selfish that, no, I just care about the people I love and helping them. (laughs) And lastly, because I am such a proponent of love and all things love and all of that, as you know, 
I've thought about being a wedding planner for a mm. long time. Yeah. And I thought, because I'm a very organized person, mm-hmm. I love love. But then, you know what I almost think my issue would be? Like, I have a big mouth a little bit. And I think if I felt the couple like suck together I don't know that I could just shut my mouth about that because I feel like marriage is such a big deal and I think you need to be ready for it that I don't know that I could help plan a wedding for a couple that I think isn't gonna make it I can see this now like they're trying to pick out their flowers and you're like so let's just turn the conversation to the fact that uh I don't really get you two together and I don't think you should get married what do you think about that and not that I'm perfect and not that my marriage is perfect every one of us requires work and all that stuff but sometimes you know there are friends every person listening right now you have friends in your life where one you knew they shouldn't get married and two you're wondering how they still are Mm -hmm. sure I couldn't keep my mouth shut about it but hopefully everybody's in love and happy when they're getting married I like our business ideas. Yes. Yeah, they suit us. <laughs> yes, I think so. We should have made people guess who was yeah, who. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, join us for next week. We have a special summer episode. Yay, summer! This episode will be devoted to all things summer, including what's new at the Jersey Shore, surviving swimsuit season, <laughs> and how to avoid money regrets while on vacation. And to make sure you don't miss one of our podcasts, subscribe via the New Jersey 101.5 app, iTunes, or Google Play. That is a wrap. Have a good week. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.